Welcome back. So continuing on from last week's podcast, where we talked a little bit more about child-inclusive mediation, I thought I would continue the theme of looking at some of the children's issues that we deal with in separation and divorce. And this week, I wanted to talk about how we talk to children about separation and divorce. So for some parents, this is one of the hardest things they will ever do, to tell their children that their parents are separating. Some parents may agonize, they may seek advice about how to try and agree a shared message. For other parents, the information may be shared as part of a reaction uh, to what is happening without consultation or planning. So if I have the chance to work with parents, then often we'll work on how to tell the children what messages the parents can deliver, when will this happen, and how will they do it. I work with a child consultant and mediator, Kerry Gunthorpe, who has a big heart for this work and for families. And when she works with parents, she asks them before delivering information to consider if it is true, kind, and necessary. So for example, it may be true that your partner has had an affair, but is it kind to tell your children? Is it necessary? Asking yourself these questions is a good practice to help navigate how to talk to children. And I would argue just about anyone that you care about. Of course, some days we don't have the capacity to do this or events overtake us and we react rather than respond. And I have definitely worked with parents who have said things in anger or despair, which they sometimes wish they could take back. I guess the challenge of parenting is to take each day as it comes and hope to do better tomorrow. So whilst Carrie's advice is great, general information, in mediation we also use research and psychosocial education to inform parents' messaging. One of the key findings from research is that children often feel they have no voice or agency in their parents' separation. Part of this is because children are often given very limited information about what is happening. I do think for some parents, this is because of their concerns about giving a damaging message. So the key to being able to talk to children is being informed about how to talk to children. Sometimes there there is no concrete information Um, So, for example, if decisions haven't been made yet. So in mediation, we often work on a holding message, a message to reassure children, to be clear that decisions haven't been made. So, for example, mum and dad are starting mediation, which means we're going to talk together to try and put in place some good arrangements. That can be extremely reassuring for children to know that their parents want to get arrangements in place together and that they're working on it. When arrangements are finalized in mediation, we often work on a script, so actual words, we agree what those are, on how to tell the children about the arrangements. So for example, parents may agree when and how they will do this, who will say which words, 
What is the shared parental message? All of this helps to support the co-parental team, which is there to support children. It can provide reassurance for children that regardless of the adult differences which exist, their parents are still there for them. I have heard a lot of reactions um, that children can present with from different parents. So some children know this is coming. They have been in the house. They've heard the arguments. They know that things are not going well. And they can be relieved to hear that there's going to be an end to conflict, that there will be resolution going forward. Uh, Some children focus on having two homes and two Christmases. Um, So I've definitely heard from parents about children that focus on the perceived upside um, of having separated parents. But some children are genuinely upset and may need time to process, may need support to help with that, or may want to ask questions. So there's no one way for children to respond. Each child responds in a way that's context dependent and also dependent on that individual child. So some children are more resilient, some children are more anxious. So if that's the case, what can be done to help? One way that we do this in family mediation is to focus on creating a message that is developmentally appropriate for the child, i.e. what is the child's stage of development, what age are they at, what types of information might be appropriate given where they are, and then we personalize it for the specific family context. So I wanted to share a book with you, and I'll put the link in the description. It's a book by Jean McBride called Talking to Children About Divorce, and it's a resource which I often refer to in mediation. So her book sets out different chapters on communication and co-parenting through separation, and although she shares many valuable insights, the reason that I go back to her book time and again is that she considers messages that are suitable for children at different ages of development. So we know that children have different levels of understanding as they age and develop. And recent research tells us that our brains do not fully develop until our early to mid-twenties. That what we often talk don't talk about, though, is emotional systems, our emotions and our ability to experience them are online early. We have those from quite young, but the systems that develop later relate to cognitive processing and importantly, emotional regulation. So the problem is we can work with children who have a full range of emotional responses, but do not yet have the tools or the equipment to manage or process them. So for small children, parents often understand that their child has a limited grasp of what is happening. Um, You know, small children have never had a relationship. They've never been married. They don't understand what it means to separate or divorce. A challenge that I often see in mediation is with parents who have older children, particularly teenagers. So teenagers may have had an experience of a relationship and they can appear to have an adult understanding. They may also press for details and information, and they can be quite 
binary in their thinking. They can be quite judgmental about a parent who hasn't lived up to their expectations. However, given what we know about brain development and the fact that even teenagers, our children, requires us to think about what information is in their best interests. So McBride is really helpful in her book and gives structures and suggestions for how to talk to children. Let's have a look at some of her ideas for different age groups. So for toddlers, for really small children, which she describes as 18 months to three years, she says developmentally, this is the time when children are learning to be individuals, separate and distinct from their parents. And she uses the phrase, me do it, to highlight the toddler's need for independence and self-assertion, critically, even when the task is beyond them. So I sometimes hear from parents with children of this age who say, this sounds like their child, that the child wants to, for example, do up their shoes, um, to do the laces. And even though they are not quite ready to do it, they want to do it themselves. They insist on doing it themselves. Um, but maybe need mum and dad to be there to help finish the task. So McBride recommends short and simple explanations. So in her book, she talks about saying, for example, mommy's going to live in her house, daddy will live in his house, you get to live in both places, we love you very much, and some days you'll be with daddy and some days you'll be with mommy. Obviously, this is an American book. So the key takeaways for this age group are limited detail, big picture concepts, and reassurance. So you can see that the message is very minimal. It's tied to the capacity for the child to understand the information and also the need of the child. What information does the child actually need? One of the other books that I'm going to be talking about in a later podcast is by Robert Emery, Two Homes, One Childhood. And he says, if you can keep a description for a child G-rated, i.e. general general related for movies, do it. If you can strip out some of the adult details, do it. So let's take a jump up. So looking at three to five-year-olds, McBride says this is often where parents notice a big jump in the cognitive and physical abilities of the child. So this is just before school happens. So often kindergarten, um, there's some big changes. Having said that, she also argues that children can get confused if they hear parents arguing and decide it must relate to their own bad behavior. And certainly anecdotally amongst mediators and counselors, there are a lot of stories about children in this age group feeling that this must be something they have done. Given that, this is also an age where fear of abandonment can arise. So the general focus for the message for this age group, three to five, is that reassurance is key, and that can often include physical reassurance. So this is often an age group where we hear parents say they were sleeping in their own bed, they were sleeping independently, but now they'll come in and they want to sleep with mum or dad. And even though there may be a goal, which is to help the child get to a place where they can sleep independently, 
in family mediation, we'll often just say, you know what, this isn't forever. This is about a child seeking some reassurance and seeking it physically. Maybe just accommodate them. Yeah, it won't be forever. They're not going to be there in a year's time, but this is something they're expressing a need for. So what does she say in terms of message? Again, it's simple. Mom and dad aren't going to live together anymore. It makes us sad, but we've had grown up problems. We'll have two houses. You'll spend time with each of us. This is not your fault. This is about our problems. We will always be here as your mom and dad. We love you and that will never change. So the takeaways that you can see are the reassurance of love and permanence in the child's life. That's key. Again, details are limited. But for this age group, also key, reassurance that nothing the child has done is causing the separation. For school-age children, who she describes as six to eight years, they are learning about the world and how to explore. And developmentally, their family relationships provide the base, hopefully a strong base, for them to venture out into the world. At this stage, children are also very familiar with rules. Uh, They're used to having to obey rules at school, and they can be disappointed if they believe a parent isn't following the rules. They may miss a parent who is absent, for example, if one parent moves out of the home, and they can side with one parent, not because one parent is right, but because if they have concerns about losing one parent, now they will do anything to secure the other parent. So for parents, it's really important to provide a loving environment uh, with a predictable routine. So McBride urges parents to be that secure base from which their children can explore the world. So what to say? What do you say to a six to eight-year-old? McBride suggests, you've probably noticed that we haven't been getting on well. We've had arguments in front of you, and we're sorry for that. We've been trying to get along, but it isn't working, and that we have decided we need to divorce. Do you know what that means? We will each be in our own houses, and you will get to see us both. You'll sleep some nights at mom's house and some nights at dad's house. This isn't your fault. This is something adults do. And even with a divorce, we are always going to be your mom and dad and we'll be there for you. We both love you. Do you have any questions? So again, key takeaways, reassurance of the secure base, again, limited detail, and importantly, permission to ask questions. So it may be, and I hear a different, a range of responses. Some parents say they got peppered with questions. Some parents say children went away after the message was delivered, processed, and then came back with questions. And other parents say their children didn't have questions. So be prepared. But one of the things I think that's helpful is to actually have a plan because what you don't want to happen is you do get asked a question that you haven't thought about and you blurt something out. So having a plan, thinking about it, being prepared for what you think the response might be is really helpful. Stepping up a level to 9 to 12 year olds, obviously children at this age are becoming even more independent and their friends take on a lot more importance. They're peer groups. They may be very conscious and aware of what other people think of them. Again, huge cognitive leaps, and also their ability to understand things will increase significantly. 
children this age can feel torn between parents and often we're concerned about what we call loyalty conflict. The challenge that they feel they need to look after a parent, protect a parent against the other parent. Or maybe one parent is very sad and they think we need to comfort that parent. They can become very vigilant in watching their parents. So really important that parents with children of this age range model good self-care and also healthy ways to express emotion. And they can push for information. So McBride recommends being cautious with this age group. And she suggests that you say things like, we need to talk about changes in our family. After trying very hard to make our marriage work, we've decided to get a divorce. This makes us sad, but we know it's best. We're arguing and we don't agree on much, but we do agree on two things. We love you and that will never change. We'll be living in two homes and we're going to make sure that you get to do the things you love. School, spending time with your friends, your activities. This isn't anyone's fault and we don't want you to take sides. We're working on a schedule. Here is what we're thinking. Do you have any thoughts? So importantly, there's a shift which you can probably detect. So the reassurance is still there. This is not your fault. This is about us as adults. But now we're inviting the child to express their opinion, their thoughts about arrangements that the parents are trying to put in place. Definitely, as we step up to the next age, which is teenagers, they will have opinions and they will want to have a voice and they may very well express it quite forcefully. So the next age range up is 13 to 19. And McBride says teens will want to know about the logistics. They'll want to know that their needs have been taken into account, particularly um, in some places, children, teenagers have really busy lives. They have friends. They have boyfriends and girlfriends. They have sporting commitments. They have school commitments. They may be doing incredibly intensive exams or preparation or projects. They have a lot of stuff. And for them to think about moving back and forth between mom's house and dad's house can be a real challenge. It may be that they have timeframes for when they think that can work for them to spend time with both mom and dad that are different to what is convenient for parents. And so trying to take that into account, really important. But also they can appear to be quite materialistic, not because that's who they are as people, but just because of developmentally where they are. These years are really critical in terms of children developing into adults, but also they have a lot of important exams and commitments during these years. So being able to be open to understand what your teenagers are concerned about is really helpful. I would say there is a really important line, which is given their increased understanding, it can seem as if they are suitable to be a confidant. They are not. At the end of the day, your teenager is entitled to focus on their lives and their development in their teenage years and not to be there to be the support for mum and dad. So if you are separating, you can work with counsellors or psychologists to help put together appropriate messages for children. You can definitely work in mediation with a family mediator 
to create an agreed message that you will both use for your children. And I think often that can be a real comfort that one of the areas of conflict that I see for a lot of families who are separating is that each parent is delivering different messages about the separation and the divorce. Sometimes that is coming from a place of real pain that because of the hurt that's being experienced by one parent, they are not capable or not conscious of needing to be seen as a co-parenting team. That what becomes critical is letting the child or the children know that the other parent has breached rules, has let everybody down because the children need to know. I ask you to think back to what Carrie suggested parents ask themselves before delivering a message. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And I think often if parents ask that question, the the need to lash out, the need to label the other parent, the need to make the children see perhaps the reality of who the other parent is goes away. Sometimes parents talk about how difficult it is to work with the other parent to craft an agreed message, and that is absolutely That is without doubt. It is very hard. What I think does help is to remember that this is not something you are doing for your former partner. This is not a gift. This is not a kindness that you are doing for your co-parent. This is something you are doing for your children. That children deserve the freedom to be able to focus on their own development to be free from negativity about their other parent. So remember, at some stage, you both decided to have a child and that that little person is half you and half your partner. And that definitely research will tell us that children who are required to... um, distance from a parent or to criticize a parent or to see a parent negatively suffer, that those wounds may not surface for years, but they will be there. And whilst you and your partner have decided to separate, no one has decided to not be a parent. So thank you for listening. And I'll put the details about Jean McBride's book in the description, but a lot of great information in here for separating parents, particularly around communication skills. So definitely a top read. Okay, so thanks very much for joining and I'll speak to you next week. Welcome to Map the Maze. I wanted to share the ideas and thoughts in the podcast that you're about to listen to with a wider audience. But please know that nothing in this podcast is intended to be legal, financial, or mental health advice. It is really important that you seek independent professional advice to help you with your situation and your circumstances. Knowledge is power. So let's get to it.